This episode of Under Further Review is sponsored by the Will Pinton Agency with Alpha Insurance. As your local hometown Alpha agent, it is Will's duty to assist you and your family in any way possible with your insurance needs. Will's goal is to give his customers a personal and professional service, and it's a goal that he takes seriously. Will is available 24-7. He wants to help serve you and your family and also become a friend along the way. In addition to Boaz, Will also proudly serves the Sardis, Mountainboro, Horton, Aroni, and Douglas communities in Alabama. Will is my personal insurance agent for everything I have insured, from my home to my vehicles, and I wouldn't have anyone else. Not only is he there when I need him, but he's also a very good friend. Give Will a call today at 256-343-4614. Go give his Facebook page a like at willpentonagency-alphainsurance or send him an email at wpenton at alphains.com. He's located in Boaz at 101 South Main Street, Boaz, Alabama, 35957. And again, give him a call today at 256-343-4614. Today's sports are under further review. The UFR Sports Podcast with Anthony Burgess. Ward 80, Ward 80, Spider 2, Y Banana, Omaha, Omaha. <laughs> The previous play is under further review. Your go-to podcast to hear the latest in the sports world. We are live. Welcome to another edition of Under Further Review. Uh, You can tell by that intro that this episode is going to be interesting to say the least. We have my co-host, Will Penton here. What's up, everyone? And we have a second co-host, Mr. Colton Kelly, joining us today. What's going on? Uh, we'll start out by saying Happy Veterans Day. Yes. Thank yep. you to all the veterans out there who served our country. Absolutely. Um, happening tomorrow. We're mm-hmm. recording today, Thursday, so definitely thankful for that. Um, Colton, you were telling a story about us working out. I think that's the the right way to get this podcast started. Well, first of all, I like how you cut me off halfway through the story. You're like, hey, we got to get this. But <laughs> yeah, so I was just telling Will, we we tried working out together when we were 17, 18 years old. Uh-huh. And we had to stop after about two weeks because we'd get about three reps in and just couldn't get through anymore. We just can't, I mean, I, we can't be serious. So he asked me this week, he said, man, we need to start working out again. And I said, that's not going to do me any good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anthony's tough, man. He, he's a funny guy, like sly funny. You don't realize it, but uh, well, no, just, this is going to be, this is going to be good. I just remember he'd, he'd get mad at me. He'd be trying to bench and I'd just be right above him. <laughs> just you know, staring he, at he'd, me. He'd yeah. Him just, yeah. And then we'd switch out and he would, even though he's mad, he'd do the same thing to me. And we, it, we just got nowhere with it. Yeah. No, I'm excited about this though. Cause like, you know, the other one, we interview coaches and you know it's a little more serious you know we're trying to get their story but here tonight you know we got a lot to talk about it's going to be a lot of fun though we do it's going to be fun mm-hmm. and uh we've already had to do one take for our intro because we started out with a joke similar to what colton's talking about how we used to how we used to work out so we're already headed down that path i'm sure there's going to be some uh some good laughs shared tonight for sure yeah for sure so let's start it out with our first topic that we uh that we advertised on the uh, the podcast page, which is Alabama football. Mm. 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 Man, mm. man, where do you start? Right. I want to start. Go ahead with Coach Pete Golding. 
Oh, you okay. And I know why you're starting with this because last year and the previous years, <clears throat> I've been a Pete defender, right? You have to the point where Anthony has made multiple memes, which we've had to post that on the podcast page. That would be so good <laughs> to show the podcast page. Uh, I was a Pete defender for so long, but <laughs> Pete. It's, it's getting tougher, man. It's getting harder. And uh, Anthony has stats to back that up. But, but yeah, it's uh, starting with, with Pete Golding. It's the defense this year, obviously, it's uh, the Tennessee game is when it obviously came to fruition, I guess you would say. Well, so first, I, I want to get your opinion. I want to hear – because Col- so Colton and, and everybody that close friends with us so realize, you know, you're Auburn graduate, went to Auburn, big Auburn fan. I want to hear your perspective – on Alabama and and starting with Pete Golding and what you think of him as a defense coordinator. Well, see, I mean, I wanted to listen to you guys talk for a minute and then I would just say, uh-huh, and move on. But okay. <laughs> uh, Alabama, all the, I mean, with Pete Golding, I, I, don't, I, I, think, I think the evidence is there this season especially, right? I think he's had premium talent his whole career at Alabama. And I think he's won with that premium talent, but he's yeah, I mean, he's been getting exposed, right? Mm-hmm. I mean. Absolutely, and and it's it's been it's been a conversation that I know that Alabama fans have been having for the past uh, what nineteen twenty four years. Yeah, right? four years. He, he was defense <clears throat> coordinator to a twenty nineteen was his first year. So yeah, um, you know, even even through winning the national championship, the year with Mac Jones, you know, big year, awesome year, but still we could see the defensive struggles mm-hmm. with with Coach Golding. And, you know, just some stats to back that up. If you go back to 2016, Jeremy Pruitt, mm-hmm. right? Um, rushing that season, what Alabama allowed as a defense, 594 yards. They allowed 1,727 yards passing. They had They allowed 571 plays. And this is through nine games because yeah. I'm keeping it fair. Right, comparing all of these seasons to 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 nine games, 571 plays, total yards 2,321 yards through nine games in 2016. Uh, yards per play was 3.9. Points allowed was 119. Points per game 13.2. All right, so you take 2016, and we fast forward over to 2022. And you're looking at 936 yards rushing. So, I mean, you're almost at a 400-yard increase there Mm -hmm. um, to 2022. 1,796 passing yards, so more passing yards. Uh, Total plays, 622. Total yards, 2,732. Yards per play, 4.39. Points allowed, 165. Points per game, 18.3. So you've got, you know, almost a touchdown different in difference in points per game there through yeah. nine games. Yeah. You look at 2019, 2020, and 2021, mm-hmm. the the difference there is obviously it's noticeable. Right. Um but there's a there's a consistency there with Pete Golden and he's consistently bad. Right. It, it has been lately. But what's so frustrating is like in the LSU game this past Saturday, the defense is the only reason they stayed in the game for the first three quarters. And then the offense finally scratches some things out and takes the lead and the defense cannot hold it. It was yeah. like back to back drives. Yep. You know, it, that's what's so frustrating about it. It's like for for three quarters they played lights out. The only reason, like I said, they were in the game and then it just fell apart. And that's that's what's so that's what's so strange to say is just it, it's it's so inconsistent. It's so inconsistent with that defense. 
So, and, and I agree, they started out really strong. Uh, I mean, even in against LSU, starting out that game and watching them, I was thinking, okay, like they're, the defense is bringing it tonight. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought it would be a little bit of a different ball game, but it, it just it wasn't. Like you said, they struggled uh, late in the game and, and couldn't hold LSU in, in pretty critical moments through that game. So, I mean, you know, can't do that. You're not going to win many ball games. Right, right. right. So. Well, it, it seems like, it seems like his biggest issue might be misusing personnel just from the outside looking in. Hmm. You have the best player maybe in college football in Will Anderson, right? Yeah. And it seems that in every big game you guys have had this year, he makes almost zero impact. Yeah. So yeah. what's going on there? Because I know it's not his talent that's holding him back. How is he being misused exactly? That's true. That, that, that's for you. I mean, yeah. just from a, a former defensive coach. Right. It's hard to say because, like I said, in the Texas game, he he was almost non-existent. He was existent. He had several penalties there. He was unlike himself. And until the very end, I think he had a big sack to end the Texas game there. But until that, he was non-existent. Same thing with Tennessee. I can't remember can't remember many many large plays there. Against LSU, he had a few plays in the run game that were good. But as far as pass rush, you know, I don't know. They had they, I think they had six or seven sacks in the LSU game, though. It's just, I, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. There's no explanation when it comes to, like, yeah. sometimes Will Anderson, you see him every play. He's, he's getting yeah. pressure. He's out there. And then sometimes he just, I don't know. And see, maybe I I would need to go back and watch some of that to see if they're doing anything different with him, or maybe it's just the way the offensive, you know, maybe maybe they're scheming him up different. And uh, yeah, you know, I mean, maybe you know, once again, it's outside looking in. Maybe he's drawing, maybe he's drawing more attention from offenses, and maybe that's why. Maybe he's. You said there are several sacks in the LSU game. Maybe he's drawing attention away from the other side. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I may be totally wrong on that, but it just seems like personnel. You know, big name personnel on the defensive side of the ball doesn't make a whole lot of noise in these big moments here this year. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. I, I I agree. Uh, Tennessee game uh, a lot of delayed blitzes. Yeah, uh, they, that way they were they were stunting Will Anderson on the inside mm-hmm. instead of utilizing him off the edge. Which right. I I thought was kind of crazy, mm-hmm. uh, just given you know his stance in the college football world is perhaps the best defensive player. Um, but in the big games, we haven't seen that. And that's been yeah. that's been a, a difficult thing to understand. Same thing with Dallas Turner. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the big names on defense that the production, it, it's it's just not there, right? I right. mean, the talent's there. We mm-hmm. know these guys are talented. But what is holding them back? And I think that you have to look at the coaching and having them right. in the right spot at the right time. You know, Will Anderson said it, you know, in a in a in postgame press conferences, it's not a lack of effort. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. I mean, they're playing hard. That's they the are. thing. They're playing yeah. hard. It's just like, like you said, it'll be a critical third down, third and seven, third and eight, and they're they're converting, you know, and they're just not getting off the field on third downs. And, and you know, during the Tennessee game is really, I was still defending Pete. I'm like, you know, maybe Tennessee's offense is that good, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, they're good, but then you look at what Georgia did to them. Mm-hmm. And Georgia just like Georgia kind of just sat back. Hey, you, you can throw it in front of us. We're going to come up and we're going to make a tackle. But eleven is not going to get behind us five times, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what's so frustrating about it. As you look at it, and Georgia took away you know Tennessee's deep threat. They took away their passing game. They made them throw it short, come up, and make tackles, and then you force third and longs. You have a much better chance of getting off the field, you know. And so it's I don't know. I don't know. So what what happens to Pete Golden? Is he gone at the end of the year? Ooh, that's tough to say. Um, honestly, I, I think Nick looks to make you know make changes this time. Uh, he's given him four years, and and uh, and like you said, it's gotten 
Nick Nick knows this program inside and out, you know. So he, he sees the same thing that you just that you just talked about. He understands that, hey, you know, maybe we've, we've given him time. He's he's had these guys for four years, so you can't say, well, they don't know the system. There's there's new guys, you know. He's had these guys for four years now, so I almost think you have to, right? I mean, to, to the standard that Alabama defense is so known for. Um, I think you almost you almost have to. Well, and a, lot, a lot of the criticism from former players, I think, is going to put some pressure. Uh, I know that I know that Coach Saban probably would say that the outside noise he doesn't let influence decisions that mm-hmm. he makes, you know, for the program. But at some point, you have to, right? When you've got some of your most notable players from the past that are mm-hmm. they're really criticizing the program at this point. Yeah. A lot of guys that you know our fan base worship, Greg McElroy being mm-hmm. one of them that that's came out and criticized uh, Coach Saban in the program at this point. Um, and you know, they're just not what they used to be. They don't have that edge, Mm -hmm. um, that they used to have, they used to bring. So that's been, it's been hard to watch as a fan. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but it is interesting to see what happens. I, I, I maintain Nick Saban's the greatest, uh, coach ever. I mean, I'll stand by that, but you know, at some point, uh, hard decisions have to be made, and and I think he's going to be faced with that at the end of the season, especially on the the defensive defensive side and the offensive side, which mm-hmm. we can kind of transition into and talk about Bill O'Brien. One more one more quick point on yeah. on Pete Golding. Yeah, he you know at this point at this point he kind of carries a messy persona, right? Kind of seems disorganized. Alabama's uh, almost dead last in the country this year in penalties mm-hmm. per game. Through nine games, has 78 penalties now, second most in all of football, right? And most of that's been on the defense, I would say. For sure. Uh, the vast majority of it. 671 yards, almost seven full football fields in, in, in penalty yardage this year. And that's an yep. undisciplined you team. Know, it's a very undisciplined team. And that, that Alabama defense, as far as I can remember, you know, back as long as Nick Saban's been there, has never really been this undisciplined. Mm-hmm. No. You know, and, and, and Pete, it, you know, he's gotten off the field trouble before. You know, mm-hmm. he, he does, he just doesn't, he doesn't really carry this like leader of men persona anymore. Yeah. Right. You know, right. like, I mean, I think that kind of goes into it a lot of the time. So, yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's strange. It's strange what the, the, what he's produced as a defense coordinator, which has been not great in mm-hmm. my opinion. And that, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a couch coach here and say that, you know, I know more than the Nick Saban, but as a fan, we have a right to speak about it, you know, and and voice our opinion. But just like you said, there is there was some off field issues mm-hmm. at, in the off season this past year, and yeah. um, I think that a lot of people thought that that was that was the end for him at that point, right? And uh, I'm not going to criticize anybody for for struggles that they have, but you would have thought that during that time that maybe a change or a step down would have occurred. Right. And it just continues. And I, I don't understand that. Yeah. Like if, if there was ever a time like to where you could make a change without facing much scrutiny or backlash, you know, that would have been it. Um, yeah. But going, going back to the penalties thing, they do seem like they're mostly on the defense and it seems like they come in critical situations. Like you'll have them third and long and then you commit a defensive holding or, you know, there's yeah. pass interference in the, in the backfield where you have a, key point you can get off the field get your offense back out there and and it's just some you know it's another thing that extends drives and, and coach Saban talks about that all the time we you know we can't continue to extend their drive and give them extra plays and more chances to score but it seems more often than not I even made a joke during the LSU game I text Anthony when it went to overtime I was like yeah we just scored I was like it's going to be third and 32 you know and then we're going to get a pass interference call you know to give them to give them a first down here yeah you know it's, it's just how it always feels you yeah. know we'll, we'll get them backed up into some crazy situation well it's it's a running joke 
for the defense, when it's third down for any opposing team, a lot of Alabama fans refer to it as third and golding. Yeah. Because we know they're going to convert. Mm. I mean, that's sad. I mean, and that's that's been the right. case for the past two years. So, I mean, I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. What about Bill O'Brien? I mean, that is same, kind of the same struggles on that side. I was so excited about that hire when it came in because I had a buddy that worked worked with him whenever he uh, he was with the Houston Texans and he's like O'Brien, oh, you know, say what you want about him as an NFL head coach, he is a fantastic offensive coordinator. And so I was so excited about the hire. Like, he's going to come back to college where he's been super successful, and look at these offenses he gets to you know be around. And goodness, you know, it just seems like. I made a joke the other day during the game as well. I guess it was just a just a way to cope when you're when you're watching something like that. But it seemed like every third down they kept running. I was making it like you know NCA the halfback angle on third down. You could run it every time. I swear they ran that seven times. You know to Gibbs halfback angle and on third down. So it just got and then towards the end of the game LSU they they picked up on that. They tried to run the same play and uh, and it got stopped. It's just it seems like it's just so uh, you. Yeah. So predictable. So, so this, predictable. This is when this is when you guys might have to break down for me a little bit more. You 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 say this all the time. You're not a fan of Bill O'Brien, mm-hmm. um, and, and maybe it's maybe it's he's bad in the clutch. Maybe maybe he's like you said. Maybe it's the play calling you guys see that's not up to par. But I mean, Alabama this season, 17th in total offense in all of football, 12th in the Power Five, 12th in yards per play. I mean, they they have a top 20 offense, you know. Yeah. And, and maybe even a top 15 offense. So yeah, they, they do. But to me, those like against LSU or not LSU against Tennessee, they had uh, like almost 600 yards of total offense. Bryce threw for 500 that night, I believe. And then he also got a mix in the cupcake games where those numbers get kind of skewed. But to me, you have to look at it against Texas A&M, given they had Jalen Milrow in, mm-hmm. you know, just could not move the ball um, against LSU, could not move the ball, had multiple opportunities to maybe take control of the game and extend that lead. And just could not do it when it mattered, you know. Um, well, that the last thing you said right there, because those numbers are, yeah, they look great. And, and yeah, Bill O'Brien got top twenty offense in college football, hundred percent. You know, I would I would challenge that to say Bryce Young is a magician, absolutely, and and creates a lot of plays that otherwise would not be there because he he is a great quarterback, but. When it matters, mm-hmm. what you just said. When right. it matters, those those times when he's calling certain plays, I question. Yeah, because of because of what he's calling on the field. And hey, you know, Saban just came out and said, uh, I think it was yesterday or maybe the day before yesterday. He said that he has the right to veto, you know, any call yeah, made, right. o- offensively or defensively. Right. Um, he's probably not going to do that a lot, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, he says he has the right to do that. He's hearing all the plays that are called, and and he's agreeing with it mm-hmm. i mean sometimes you you see that he doesn't by what his reaction is on the sideline but i i feel like bill o'brien his play calling in the clutch is really what makes him disliked yeah by the fan base and also to be fair to bill i just like to defend these guys i guess but to be fair to bill the receivers they have this year are nothing compared to the people they've had come through my wife, you know, she, she loves to watch football with us and she enjoys it, but it's not like she knows a ton about it. But even the other night, she's like, please do not throw the ball to number seven again. He's going to drop it, right? And so it just seems like that. Like last year, I'm going throwing it back to the national championship game. We were there and uh, they had a lot of young receivers playing after the guys got hurt. And so many times, Bryce would put the ball 
right, you know, hit them in the worst spot, right in the hands, right? And they would just drop it. Like, they don't make the big plays yeah. that you're used to seeing. You don't yeah. see guys stepping up and making those plays that Smitty, as a freshman against Georgia, right, you know, make, makes that play. It's just uh, a lot of it is on the guys, too. You know, they're they're not doing the things that the guys in the past have done in the clutch moments. Well, you know, coaching is not just coaching uh, in college football. Mm-hmm. It's probably even more recruiting than it is just coaching, right? Yeah. So, I mean, how has Bill O'Brien been getting staff in? Is, is he as good as his predecessors, or do you see him as lesser than? I mean, how do you guys see it? Lesser than comparing him to Steve Sarkeesian. Sarkeesian, Cable, oh, Kiffin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not even, yeah. Yeah, and, and, sure. and and Will made a good point yesterday. We talked about this, and he does not have those receivers. Mm-hmm. But I feel like his intellect when it comes to calling plays is just not on the level of Steve Sarkeesian. No. I, I, because Steve Sarkeesian schemes in such a way he's going to get his best players open mm-hmm. or try to in every play. He's going to be motioning here, there, and everywhere yeah. to try to create the play he wants. I mean, I, you rarely see Alabama motion now mm-hmm. with under Bill O'Brien. I don't know what that is. I don't know if there's a reason behind it. I'm not going to pretend I do. Yeah. But a lot of times, the only thing you'll see is Latu motion, maybe from one side of the, the yeah. ball to the other. And and sometimes Gibbs will start out wide and they'll move Gibbs motion into the backfield. But to me, Gibbs needs to get the ball forty to forty five times a game. Like yeah. he is your biggest playmaker. Put it in that dude's hands and let him work, whether it be the passing game, the running game. And I feel like a lot of times he he abandons the run game. Like in the in the loss to Tennessee, they have it what it's like a minute and thirty left in the game, and they throw three straight passes before they kick the field goal and it gives Tennessee time to come back. Didn't yeah. even attempt to run, you know? Yeah. And it's just uh it's so frustrating to think about. It's like well, during that moment, how does it not come across? Like, hey, maybe we should run the ball at least once or twice here, you know, to see if we can run some of this clock down. Well, going back to the receivers though, one thing I did not anticipate, and I don't think anybody did, was I I was thinking we would have the same impact with the receivers coming up. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, you've got Ja'Cory Brooks. Right. Highly touted. Yeah, highly touted. And mm-hmm. I, I thought he would be one of the next great ones that was coming through Alabama. You got uh Treshawn Holden. And he's been almost non-existent this year. He really has. And then, you know, who knows what's going on with Tyler Harrell. Yeah. I, I mean, have not seen him, have we? I I think he came in. A couple. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe had, maybe had when a, Milrow was, was in uh, for Texas A&M. Had a massive spring game. Yeah. And then uh, then Jermaine Burton, right? Transfers from Georgia. You, I, I mean, I don't know. And like, he was such – but Jermaine Burton was such an impact for Georgia. Mm-hmm. And it's like – we're not seeing the same productivity out of him right. that I think that Georgia got. And I could be wrong on that. I didn't watch Georgia, obviously, that much last year. But why are we not seeing that at Alabama? Is is it the plays that we're running are just not designed to get those guys open as well? And that's that's kind of where it's like, well, he doesn't have the receivers that Sarkeesian or Kiffin had or, or Dable, Brian mm-hmm. Dable. But does he? I mean... He could. I mean, if, those if, you guys, look, if you look at the recruiting rankings and the stars, you'd say, yeah, yeah. You know, like you got Kobe Prentice, Treshawn Holden, Jacory Brooks, Christian, just, Christian Leary, Christian Leary, uh, JoJo Earl. I mean, you could you go down the list, and these guys are four and five star recruits, and uh, but like I said, the production's not there, and that, that a lot of that falls back on them as well. You know, it's not it's not just O'Brien, but you know, there there's something, something is up with the offense right now. Um, it, it looks anemic at times, you know, to where. It's just non-existent. They're so inconsistent. And then it's just a snap. And uh, the other night in the LSU game, if, you know, they drive the ball right down the field, they look so good. And then 
Bryce, you know, it wasn't his best throw. He threw it a little bit behind his guy. If, if Alabama scores that touchdown right there to go up seven to nothing just like that, I think it's a totally different ball game. I, I think they blow LSU out. But then they they after something bad happens, it's like they just can't regroup and just like, you know, it's almost like a panic. Bryce doesn't panic, but I feel like everyone else just gets tight and starts to play tight. And uh yeah, it's well, you know, we're we're sitting at it's seven and two right now, mm-hmm. record wise. Yeah, just, just terrible, right? Well, <laughs> uh, no, and but here's the thing though: a lot of people are saying that, and they're like, "Man, you guys are complaining. You're, you've only you've lost two ball games. Well, you've lost two ball games to your two two of your biggest rivals, two of the three yeah. biggest rivals on your schedule. You've lost two of those games right. too. And you know, you you look at that, and and you hear people saying, "Well, you guys are only lost two games, but we're only like." Two, three plays away. Texas A&M was one play. From they being, had the ball on the one yard line from being five and four. Yeah, I think I think that would have been so. No. The, the, te- the Texas game, yeah, Texas controversial, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and then you got Texas A&M mm-hmm. right there on the goal line. They well, yeah. had last minute play. Yep, the, there's two. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, five and four is and very got, real. You got Tennessee and, and LSU. So I to the people that say you've only lost two games, mm-hmm. and and then another argument is you're two plays away from being undefeated. That's what, yeah, right. That's what's I think that's what's so frustrating. But it's we're like, four plays away from being a four loss team right now. Well, few few thoughts here. Just looking at the big picture, right? Two. Well, first of all. You guys over the past few years have not just had good coordinators. You guys have had best in football coordinators mm-hmm. overall. You guys have not just had, you know, four and five star talent. You've had generational talent at receiver in particular, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. so of course you're going to get spoiled by that. <clears throat> and then when you see, you know, what you have now, you know, it, it, of course it's not ever, it's not ever going to be at the par with, with that group of guys that just went through. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then as NIL takes a bigger effect over college football as a whole, I, Saban has always been able to put, premium talent on the field compared to all of all mm-hmm. of all the you know your whole schedule and it's just not going to happen that way anymore so it's not i agree you know, with that. it's just not going to happen anymore yep. yeah yeah there's a lot more parity that is a, that is a topic football. yeah that's a topic we're going to get to uh here in a minute but i mean it, you know with alabama i i just i don't know it's frustrating i i don't want to sound like a spoiled fan and i know it does because we're having mm-hmm. we're having a down year um, same with with 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lost three games that year. That was uh, Carolina, LSU, and Auburn that year. That was the the comeback. Um, mm-hmm. That was, I mean, and that was tough, you know. But I don't, I don't feel like in 2010 we were we were feeling as much doom. Yeah, I mean, it was still early. It yeah. was still early, you know, and uh, and we knew what we had coming back, and we were excited <clears throat> about yeah. that. But Bryce is gone. Will Anderson's gone. Will Jameer Anderson's Gibbs gone. is more than likely gone. Right. Um, we're facing a, a total overhaul, and there's a chance that next year Alabama could be worse than they are this year. There's a chance, but if, if you look back at, at history, when they have a down year like this, usually the next year they come back, and you know, against all odds, they're they're better than what you would expect. And and, so, and you know you. Blake Sims coming in at quarterback, you know, yeah. everybody was kind of questioning that just because of his past at running back yeah. and making that transition. Lane Kiffin developed him and was a really, really good quarterback. I mean, yeah. held, held several right. records there for a little bit for Alabama, and then they had a, a t- good year. I right. mean, it was yeah, a really bad. good year. Yeah. And then, I mean, Mac Jones came in, right? Yeah. The, the, what, the first time we really saw Mac Jones was in the Iron Ball when he threw two pick sixes. Mm-hmm. And so he's coming back as a starting quarterback next year, and they're like, who is this guy? What in the world Alabama football is doomed? And what did he do? 
on with the, a that, national championship. National championship. Yeah. As an Auburn fan, one one lesson I've learned about watching, you know, Auburn and Alabama play since Nick Saban's been there is you cannot watch Alabama's roster and say, "Oh, next year will be better for us because mm-hmm. talent's leaving." Because you guys always have two or three people that can replace them immediately. Right. Bryce Young is great. He's a great college quarterback. You guys are going to be able to replace him. <laughs> it's just yeah. going to happen that way. You know, you guys are going to be able to replace all these guys. And so, yeah. And not just that. And used to, it was just, just from recruiting, but now you have the transfer portal as well. Yeah. So, and you have NIL deals. Like I said, we'll get to, I'm not going to jump ahead, but you know, mm-hmm. to replace this talent. Now you can literally do that with a guy that was starting at another college last year. Right. It can come in and be your starting quarterback next year. Sure. So, but does that also affect you in a negative way? Is that the reason we don't see the edge that Alabama's had before? Because you have guys, it's not that same the process, you know, the process is different. The process is now you were raised at Georgia Tech for three years. Now you're going to transfer in here and be our guy. But you haven't been in the process since you were 18 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. is, is that why it's different? Could be. Well, I mean, I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of tough decisions that will have to be made in the off season. Obviously, I don't think anything will happen in during the season this year. But, um, you know, I definitely think it's going to be an interesting off season for Alabama. And, you know, and. You know, with Saban, it's he's he's going to make the call. He's going to do what he feels is best. Ultimately, that's what we'll trust. With him being, in my opinion, the the best ever, and we'll see how it goes. Yep. But um, I mean, to end the Alabama talk, you know, I think we all have to say they're going to be okay. I think so. <laughs> they're going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think, Colton? They'll probably be okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody at the table said, "Roll tide." Roll tide. Yeah. Yeah. We can move on to Auburn now. <laughs> I think they're going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> is Cadillac there to save the day? He, for right now, he is, and they're pumping that media machine out like crazy too. And yeah. it's and, you know it's it's working, it's working. So yeah, I saw they sold out. They made a graphic about selling out against A and M this weekend. So that's good. That's you good. Know, well, you know, we we only didn't sell out like two games, but you right. know now we're back to selling out. So I know that's already a step in the right direction. Yeah. So, so what do you think about Cadillac? Give give us give us your opinion. Well, I mean, that's Cadillac is the best representation of Auburn there probably is at this. Outside of Bo Jackson, mm. Cadillac's the best representation of Auburn there is. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot going for him. Yeah. Uh, not only not only is he the best representation of Auburn there is because he's a household name to every Auburn fan there is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he also embodies what we like to think Auburn is. You know, we mm-hmm. you know we you know we. Uh, well, I mean, have you, have you guys had a chance to watch any of the media that's been put out the past week or two? Yeah, yeah. I feature, mm-hmm. and I actually watched the video you're talking about with the the little kid. Yeah, and Carnell, and that is that that was awesome. I, yeah. I did that was cool. It, the The fact that Carnell has this outlook of the opportunity as you know a, a chance that God has just given him, and that he needs to make the most of it. Yeah, you you. He's not just acting humble. He really is that humble. Mm-hmm. He really is. He's he's saying all the right things, but not just to say the right things. It's just who he is. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, every, everybody's just immediately drawn to him because of how honest he is. You know, his first press conference, he said, uh, and, you know, we've had years of coach speak with Gus Malzahn and mm-hmm. then and then Brian Harson, um, who wouldn't tell you really anything about the program. We've had a good week of practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Carnell immediately says, "Hey, we might not win a ball game, but we're going to try." Yeah, <laughs> right. So, yeah, you, your first reaction is, "Oh, that's not good," but then you think, "I, you know, I think I might like that." You mm-hmm. know, he's going to be honest about things. Right. So, the more he evolves in this role, we're only um, eleven days into him being Auburn's head coach. But you go from Cadillac's going to be fun for these four games to watch to 
Cadillac, you know, I don't think it'll ever happen, but really mm-hmm. Cadillac probably really does have what it takes to, 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 to be a leader of a team like this. Right. He has all the right tools. Yeah. You know, so. I think he's, I honestly think he's perfect to step into the situation they're in. Mm-hmm. I mean, when in a time where you've got to really rally the fan base and, and get everybody back there, just like you said, selling out the, you know, the stadium for this weekend, like that was the right move by Auburn. Yep. I mean, they've got it. They've got everybody engaged in this at this point. Right. And not just a fan base. He Think about him with recruits, right? So anytime you fire a coach in the middle of the season, what you worry about is recruiting and what you're going to be for the next year. But imagine you you have Cadillac Williams who can come in and say, hey, I know what it's like to play at Auburn when Auburn is at the peak. You know, mm-hmm. I've done it. I've been there. I can tell you what it's like to play in Jordan-Hare Stadium when it's packed out, when it's rocking, and when, when we're really good. So you have yep. a guy that can come in and tell those recruits that, you know, trust in what they're doing. Even if I'm not going to be your head coach, I'll probably be on staff. You would have to think you have to keep him on staff, right? You, you have you to. Have to. But he, he can look at those guys and say, I promise you, I know what Auburn's about. Just like you said, nobody embodies that more than me. Come here, believe in what we're doing, right? Believe in Auburn and love it yeah, and, right. and and come do it. You so, know? so to put Cadillac into, into perspective more, you really have to talk about how historically bad Brian Harson's been as a head coach. Yeah. And I think a lot of people think, you know, a lot of, a lot of more casual fans are thinking, well, they didn't give him a, him, him a chance at all. But, you know, Brian Harson didn't meet in person, maybe four or five head head high school coaches in the state of Alabama wow. in the two years he's been here. Yeah, um, he he skipped clinics, he skipped events like crazy. He would send a a tight ends coach to go do it. He didn't start recruiting, um, you know, until several days after the dead period ended. You know, mm. Nick Saban, Kirby Smart visit eleven schools first day, right? Big schools in, in the Greater Atlanta area. Yeah, and Brian Harson doesn't start till four or five days later. At all, you know, what you can't do in the SEC. You're behind already. He's so behind. And, and, and I actually, a lot of recruits are, ha, have already said he puts such a bad taste in their mouth that they won't even consider Auburn now, mm. you know. So a lot of guys that are really hometown guys, guys in Phoenix City, for example, yeah. you know, they're just, they're, they're just, they're just kind of done with Auburn. But if there's a guy that can possibly put, you know, the seat of how special Auburn is in their head, mm-hmm. it's somebody like Cadillac, it's somebody like Carnell Williams. Yeah. Um, I, I just, you know, it, it couldn't get any worse. You know, Rich McGlynn went to Carnell Williams and, and, and told him that he's going to be the, the interim head coach. And I think Rich McGlynn's thinking what most of us was thinking. He said, and, you know, and, and thinking that, you know, Brian's got to go. What can we do just to make any kind of, like you said, make mm-hmm. any kind of spark happen here? And, and basically what they did is they just found the most Auburn guy to do it. Yeah. I don't think they ever imagined that he'd actually be good at it. Uh, maybe they did, but but he is. He is really, really good at it. Mm-hmm. And, and what he's going to do uh, over the next couple of weeks, and what he's already done, and 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 if if he was given the opportunity to like which which I said I don't think he will, but if he did, he would just surround that program with Auburn guys, mm-hmm. Auburn coaches, and there's a lot of good ones. Y'all have someone y'all staff, yeah, you know. So I'm already kind of counting. Uh, what's the defensive back coach's name that played at Auburn? Um, uh, Javaris Robinson. Or, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's it. it. It's T. Rob, right? That y'all have? Yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. The defensive backs coach. Yeah. There's already word that, um, yeah, it, that whatever happens, regardless if it's if it's Carnell or some of these other names that are mentioned, that they're bringing him home. So, I mean, I think that that'll be the aim, uh, especially if you have somebody like Lane Kiffin that comes in to coach. I think he is going to try to pull some Auburn guys there. But you look at Cadillac as a head coach, and there's been a lot of talk about Deion Sanders mm. at, at Auburn. I think you've got the same – same thing. Recruiting advantage yeah. 
with Carnell that you would have with Deion Sanders. There's a lot of kids that are going to buy into what Carnell's selling because the 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 speeches he's given, like mm-hmm. in, in their their film room, like the the one about the ball. I watched that one. I mean, man, he's going to connect with some kids, man, and get them to buy into what he's he's trying to sell at Auburn. And I think that that could attract some really, really big names. Right. Well, yeah. Go, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, I'm, I think, and Anthony, you played college ball. You know, I think we've started to, you know, in 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 the projects world, you you know, you have this idea of scope creep when you're working on a project. You know, and, and what that means is that you get away from the foundation of what you're working on, and 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 you really lose sight of the goal altogether. And I think in college football over the past couple of decades, we've kind of had some scope creep on what we, you know, envision what we need a head coach to be. What what qualities do we really need a head coach to have? We 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 really need them to have organization. We need them to breed cohesiveness, mm-hmm. and we need them to be leaders and 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 raisers of young men. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you have those things, the X's and O's are going to come together for the most part. And if not, the guys that can coach X and O's are going to want to come coach for you because mm-hmm. you know you're a good boss. The, the recruiting is going to come together because they're going to see how much fun your team's having and how much they love you. And also your biggest recruiters are usually your players. Yep. And guess who didn't coach for Brian Harson? his players, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, don't so come true. to Auburn. Yeah. So when you look at those things, uh, Carnell Williams has all that, mm-hmm. you know, he is an excellent leader of men mm-hmm. and that's exactly what he's trying to do. Yeah. I, and you know, I think that, you know, Carnell's, uh, he, he's never, he's never been a coordinator. I don't think. No, right? he's not. No. So, You've got a guy that would be your head coach. What would be attractive to me as a coordinator is that I would have a head coach that's probably not going to get too involved in my my play call. He's going to let you do your job. He that's is. the point I was going to bring up. Is like if, if if he can lead the men and get the men motivated, that's your coordinators. If you talk to any head coach, their job is to plan and to put the right people in place in their program. So if Cornell can can make people buy in, get the players to buy in, you have coordinators that handle the X's and O's and all that stuff for you. Absolutely. You know? So yeah. as long yeah. as he's doing his the stuff that he needs to do, those coordinators are going to handle the X's and O's side of it, you know? And I think, you know, long-term success, I mean, I think it, it could be there for Cornell. You know, some people have said, could Cornell be the Dabo of Auburn? I've read that in a couple of different places that, you know, Dabo took over the Clemson program and, you know, he was interim, and nobody really expected much, or I don't think they did. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't expect him, I don't think, to be a long-term guy. And then they gave him a shot. I mean, look at him now. You know, he, he's won two national championships at Clemson. And, you know, you might be looking at a uh, at a, at a situation like that with uh, Cadillac because I, I'm pretty sure Dabo was not a coordinator. I don't think he had called plays on either side of the ball at that point. He was not. Yeah, he's a position coach. And, and you look at Dabo, he's not an offensive or a defensive mastermind. He was never touted to be. He's a leader of men. He was he was brought in to do one job, and that's, you know, get this th- team through this season. And they saw the same qualities that Carnell has now. Yeah, and, and they made a good decision. And I, I think Carnell's a star in the making. It's, is, if, is he ready right now? Well, personally, I'm not really sure it matters if he's ready right now. I don't think Dabo was ready right then, was he? Hmm. Right. But he stepped up and he did the job. Well, you got, just like we were talking about, you got Deion Sanders that's been mentioned and, you know, the recruiting edge that he would bring to Auburn. Uh, I think there's similarities there with Cadillac. I think there's similarities there with Lane Kiffin. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's going to be able to attract a lot of good talent. I mean, I think Auburn's mindset, if it is around those three guys, it could be really promising for their program. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, ultimately, what do you think happens? Well, you, you know, you brought me on not to talk about my opinion, which I've done this whole time. You brought me on to see what I've 
you know, dug up on the internet pretty much. Yeah. That's, you know, that's what I do all yeah. the time. Uh, do I have actual sources? No, I don't. Do I bug the junk out of people that do have sources on Twitter? Yeah, I do all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, no, so that's so, how, that's how a guy starts when he actually does have sources. That's true. Yeah. That's exactly I don't right. have sources. I got no, zero sources. Don't ask me. I got zero sources besides, uh, why are you winking at me? That's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, no. Um, anyway, so here's what I know. <laughs> I, I really, th so a lot of people are saying this job has limited potential because we're paying out $37 million in buyout money right now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the story going around. Does Auburn have the money to pay who they want to get? And I think the answer is definitely yes. From what I understand, and you know, Auburn's not, they're not a, they're not a, they're not a poverty school. <laughs> you no, know? Right. They're not. Yeah. They're stingy with money. Yes. They mm -hmm. always have been, but they got the money to, to hire whoever they want to. And I think in this search, they've gotten to the point because they tried to save money with Brian Harson. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah. I think at this point, they realize the error and they're sparing no expense. The names that are already being thrown around that we've heard are worlds better than any other name we interviewed through the whole Brian Harson, you know, right. through that through that whole period. So what my opinion is, it's probably either going to be Lane Kiffin or Hugh Freeze. I think that's kind of what everybody's oh, okay. zeroing in on. Okay. Lane Kiffin's going to be expensive. He's a Jimmy Sexton client. Of yep. course, he's going to be expensive, yeah. you know, um, and and I know Jimmy's in Auburn's ear saying, if you want him, you're going to have to pay this much. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, Auburn almost, if Auburn wants Lane Kiffin, they almost have to hope that he loses a few games, namely this weekend, right? Yeah. So he doesn't have any chance to move on. But have you read that about the the Mississippi law, though, on the contracts and how much Ole Miss would have to pay him in order to keep him if Auburn came at him with, I think it was just like a seven- Eight, yeah. and a half, eight and a half million, maybe. I, I read sure. something. I can't remember how much yeah. it was per year, but Mississippi Law and their contracts, something works into it. I don't know the details, but it, end of the day, Ole Miss would have to pay to keep him if Auburn approaches him with a decent offer. Yeah, they'd have to pay. The, the law is they can only have like four-year contracts. Or That's whatever. right, yeah. <laughs> so I've heard somebody say that, um, that that can be negated by a signature by some very important person. And maybe it can, maybe it can't, but you're right. That's the law mm -hmm. is, you know, in, in a public institution, a four-year contract is the most they can have. The number I've heard that Auburn would have to pay to get him would be something like seven years, 10 and a half million a year. Wow. Which is a chunk of cash. Mm. But everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. When's the madness going to end? I don't know, but we're probably about to join in on it. Yeah. Um, and I, I really thought what's going on with Jimbo, and this is kind of jumping around, uh, might kind of make people kind of recede a little bit. Right. Schools recede a little bit on that. But when Jimmy Sexton's in control of all these guys, and he, and he is pretty much, I, mm -hmm. I mean, most of these big name guys, I mean, he, he holds the power there, mm -hmm. you know, and you're not going to get a good coach unless you're willing to play his game. Right. So Hugh Freeze or Lane Kiffin, can either one of those guys control the boosters at Auburn? I think... I, I, my opinion is, I think the legend of the Auburn Boosters is a little bit overblown. Here's here's the here's exactly the history of how that kind of came to be in this last coaching search. Um, the Boosters were very cohesive in a plan on what Auburn should do, and that was fire Gus Malzahn and hire Kevin Steele. They took that to Jay Gouge, who was our president, sitting president at the time. Uh, he was president when I graduated there. He took a break for Stephen Leith, worst president in history. Then he came back to fill the the hole until we hired you know, our, our most re recent president, Chris Roberts. Um, so Jay Gouge 
And I only say that to say Jay Gouge was in an interim position. I don't think he wanted to be very strong. He didn't care to be very strong. He was filling a position until he could, you know, kind of finally really retire. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, Jay Gouge uh, agreed to the plan. Fire Gus Malzahn, hire Kevin Steele. You guys remember as well as I do, probably. As soon as that plan got out in the public, mm -hmm. the Stop the Steel campaign started. Yes. Fans revolted. And for some reason, Jay Gouge listened to the fans. He listened to uh, Alan Green and and rescinded his word and said, we're going to do a coaching search. Well, the Auburn Boosters immediately agreed to him, uh, agreed and, and went to him and said, uh, if that's the case, you know, then we wouldn't have we wouldn't have fired Gus. You know, they didn't want a coaching search. They mm -hmm. knew what a coaching search would turn into. Yeah. Um, so this whole idea that the boosters, you know, are, are just like world ruiners at Auburn. I think it's just kind of overblown because of what happened there. But hmm. a lot of that was perpetrated by Alan Green and before him, Stephen Leith. Right. Not making good decisions that, you know, that they probably knew as good as they did or better. So, um, I, I think if somebody that they want is actually hired, and and by all by all means, they they would like Lane Kiffin to be there. A lot of them would like Hugh Freeze to be there. I think that they would, you know, fully give in to that that to that hire. Mm -hmm. Nobody, none of them wanted Brian Harson from the start, right? And they tried to veto it from the get go. But Alan Green was given all the power in that search. Mm. But Cohen, from what I understand, is 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 going to while he's going to make the decision. There there is a cohesiveness at Auburn now, and I keep saying that word, but it is important. There is a cohesiveness at Auburn now that they're going to give their advice, but they're also going to fully support the hire within a certain parameter. Yeah. But they trust him to make the good hire. So for our listeners, can you explain what cohesiveness means? Oh, let me look it <laughs> it's up. A, it's an inside joke. <laughs> so uh, when I say for our listeners, can you explain? That means, can you explain it to me? Oh, it's a joke. Yeah, okay. It's a bad joke. <laughs> yeah. Right, so gonna, in, in last week's in last week's out. podcast, Coach Edwards was talking about two shell and three shell. So Anthony <laughs> throws out there for our listeners, Coach. Would you just explain what what two shell and three shell means? <laughs> and so if, if Anthony ever says for our listeners, he truly means. Explain it to me like I'm five. I sold it well because so. <laughs> I told Will I, Will didn't realize it. Yeah, no, he, he thought it was no, serious. No, yeah. Afterwards, I told him. I said, "Hey, man, look." I said, uh, "That was great." I was like, "But, but when Coach Edwards started talking about two shell, three shell." I was like, "What are what is this?" Yeah. And I was like, "So for our listeners, I was like, can you explain?" As I really didn't know. Did you think that on the spot for our listeners? Oh yeah, yeah. There you it, go. It, yeah. It, when you do a podcast, all you gotta say is for our listeners. When you don't understand something, and <laughs> yes, then, and then explain somebody, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, diving back into <clears throat> the Auburn talk, you know, where do you see Auburn ending this season? Do you does, does Carnell have a legit shot at being the head coach? And what does next year look like? And we'll and we'll we'll stop at Auburn yeah. after that. I'll answer those in order. Okay. Um, beating Bama. Okay. That's that's the goal. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, <clears throat> so, Got choked up. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be a fun game at least now, right? I uh, mean, it's at Bryant Denny, probably not. <laughs> yeah. <you'll be. laughs> We we've only done it a bunch before. I know, I know. <laughs> Almost every time. Uh, that's all though. Uh, so I, I the door I, is right there. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think we'll I think we have a good chance against Texas A and M because sure. they're totally imploded at this point. Yes. Yep. And and it seems that we're motivated now. Mm -hmm. I think and honestly at one point I didn't think this. I think we should beat Western Kentucky. I don't see yeah. any <laughs> I mean really that was that was I was unsure about that game for a little while. I don't see any reason why Carnell can't finish two and two this season, but with a lot of backing because 
you know, just watching last week, yeah, we lost to Mississippi State. But if Brian Harson coaches that game, they're down 17-3 to in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Brian Harson probably loses that game by three touchdowns. Yeah, the team lays down. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they didn't do that with Carnett. Mm-hmm. So a lot of good things already. Yeah, I, so I think that, and 100% Alabama fan, but Carnell will have them more motivated to play Alabama than what Brian Harson did. Yes. And they, that's, that is scary. Mm-hmm. Is Carnell will do his part to have them prepared for Alabama. It depends on who he's got calling the plays and who's scheming <clears throat> to that'll determine if they make that a ball game. Because Iron Bowl historically is a ball game. Yeah. There's been very few that have just been blowouts, mm-hmm. right? And so... If they come with the right mindset, motivated to play, which they will with Carnell, Carnell is going to have them hyped. As long as they have coordinators that can that can bring it as well, mm-hmm. they can make it a game, and, that, and it is worrying. Well, you know, it is. Yeah, it's kind of fun. You know, they scrapped together the staff now. Will Friend, Alabama guy, no. called plays last week. Mm-hmm. He did a he did a pretty good job. They had three days of preparation. Yeah, I don't know if he's ever called plays before. Hmm. So basically, they had a sheet, and they're trying. I even read something. They're trying to remember the names of plays, and you know uh, that one. You know, wow. and and he actually executed it pretty well. That second yeah. half comeback, I think he did a good job. More more time to prepare, and mm-hmm. actually learned the playbook himself. I mean, he, he could do really well at it. And if there's anything that gives Alabama trouble, as it it gets old to hear, but it's true, is a quarterback like Robbie Ashford. Oh, for sure, they can run the ball. It's third and long. He can he he sees nothing, takes it right up the middle for 15 yards. That's tough to stop. And experience has drastically improved him through the season right. too. I mean, he's making yeah. worlds better decisions than he was first couple games. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm a I'm a Robbie Ashford fan. I, I think he's a great kid. Hearing Miles Hawkum talk about Robbie right. Ashford, he mm-hmm. coached him at Hoover. Um, you know, that that that's pretty cool connection there. Yeah. And and so man, I, I'm a fan of the kid. I, I hope they don't beat Alabama, but I do yeah. hope I do hope he does well. There's or, no I, doubt sincerely. That, yeah. The skill set is there on Ashford for yeah. sure. There there's raw talent there that mm-hmm. hasn't been tapped into. He could really be a special quarterback, yeah. but it's a long way, you know, from happening. I, well, I heard he's transferring to replace Bryce Young next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just hearsay. But well if Lane Kiffin comes, he will, right? Yeah. Uh, I, that's just great fine stuff, but I've heard he wouldn't play for Lane Kiffin. We'll see. He yeah. might change his mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was the other two questions? So it's how it's how you how you end the season. What does the off season look like, and what do you anticipate Auburn doing next year? So I don't foresee Cadillac being the long term. I don't think I don't foresee him being the replacement. I think it'd be cool if he was, and I'd be behind it. Okay. I think they hire a coach within five or six days after the Iron Bowl. Okay. And time to actually maybe do a little work before the early signing period, which is, as we know, world's more important than mm-hmm. the the regular signing period. Yep. So we're already up against, you know, a pretty hard place. I, I I think I think that they will say to whoever they hire though that that retaining Cadillac is probably the biggest, you know, you know, if 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 you don't if you won't retain Cadillac, you might not even be in the conversation at this point. Right. Know? And I don't think any of them would argue it. Any of the top prospects for Auburn, I don't think they would argue keeping Cadillac. Because we lost one commitment when Brian Harson was fired. Mm-hmm. I bet yeah. we would lose half of them if Cadillac's not retained. That's a good right. point. You know? Yep. So, the, the small class we have. Uh, next year, I, we gotta we really got to have somebody that can hit the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once again, I think the obvious choice is laying there, the portal king. Mm-hmm. Because we have lost... I don't even want to put a number on it. I can't remember what it, what it was last time I looked, but you know, more than half of the four and five stars that we had two years ago, you know, to the transfer portal, we we are in a huge talent deficit at this point. Mm-hmm. We got to have somebody that can reload that talent. Yeah, yeah. which is you know where a guy like Dion comes in, it could be a possibility, but I just don't think they're even really looking at him that much. Right. 
No. So that uh, so what do you think Auburn does next year? I mean, you, you've talked about you know Hugh Freeze, Lane Kiffin being the the top two that you think could potentially end up at Auburn. Um, what does Auburn's season look like next year with Lane Kiffin? What does Auburn's season look like next year with Hugh Freeze? Dominant year one, or you think it's going to be a slow go? I think there's so. Auburn has always when they when they make a coaching change, most head coaches that that they've had have not left a talent deficit mm-hmm. like this. Yeah, even Chiswick, man, you know they had a bad last season with Chiswick, but he still had a ton of talent on that roster that enabled, you know, with a Nick Marshall transfer to go to the championship game the very next year. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think once again, I think Robbie Ashford probably could be that guy at his peak, mm-hmm. but it's going to have to be a really special season for that to happen. I think they can win. I think they could come back and win eight games next year. Yeah. So Lane Kiffin pulls from the transfer portal, gets Auburn. If he can build a line, it's possible that we have a really good season. That's really the missing link. But outside of that, I I just don't see it being a great season. I think we can get back to winning ball games though. Yeah. Yeah. Going to have a great kicker next year. Yeah. Hey, McPherson. McPherson. Honestly, man, you know, I think I love that. I, I love Anders, man. He's done a lot for Auburn. Yeah. Towards ACL last year, mm-hmm. it's like it's time to go on. Yeah. You got to you got to retire right. at this point. No, my wife coaches teaches at Fort Payne, so Alex, you know we've we've gotten to know him over the years. McPherson, mm-hmm. he's a great kid, and I can't wait to see him. We set state records. Yeah, you know? he's unreal to watch. I I would go. You would go to Fort Payne games and just you get there early to watch him warm up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, under further review coming his way with an NIL deal. I would love it. I I'm, I would <laughs> love did. to make contact with him and we might be working on something. Yeah, we'll maybe. I'm I'm trying to get he, to He's phone to get on the get on the mic here, man. He would. Yeah. No doubt. Well, and that and that's what we're kind of we're aiming for that a little bit. We're trying to get some coaches to bring some players with them mm-hmm. uh, when we interview them that way they can kind of, you know, get a little exposure on here for, you know, however many people that are listening in and Hundred thousand last week. It was yeah, well, yeah. Well, that was the numbers I gave you. Okay, so yeah, they, they've climbed since then. Yeah, it's closer to about three hundred thousand. Good, now. yeah. Fastest growing podcast in the U.S. Yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's let's move on to the Lane Train. We've we've talked about him, you know, being a potential uh, coaching prospect there at Auburn. Uh, is Lane Kiffin the hottest name on the market right now? Yeah, yeah. Just, I think because what he brings, his Twitter persona, everything about Lane Kiffin is just intriguing, right? Uh, you, you never know what he's going to do, what he's going to say, and he doesn't care what yeah. you think. Yeah, He's just going to be Lane, and, and kids love it. They seem to love it, and he wins. There's no arguing that, and he's the trolling king. I love If you don't follow him on Twitter, you need to. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. He's funny on Twitter. I do think he's, I think he's toned it down to a more mature level. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I still think he does some pretty funny stuff on there, but right. I, th- I think he has matured a lot, you know, from where he used to be when mm-hmm. he was the the coach at Tennessee and yeah. and then the USC. But what what is the thing that makes Lane Kiffin so attractive at this point? Speaking primarily about schools he's been at and and coached and records and and accolades in general, what makes Lane Kiffin the attractive coach? He wins. He does. <laughs> that's, that's he does. Answer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he wins, and uh, he he does it in a in a flashy style. Uh, I mean, you, you love to watch him on the sideline too. He, he dials up a play like when he was an OC at Alabama. He would dial up a play. Those hands are up before before anybody's let go of the ball. His hands are up. He knows, and he he's just he's fun to watch. He brings an energy and an excitement to your program immediately when you hear his name. You know, yeah. to me that that's that's the biggest thing. You know, he's going to draw attention, and it's it's, it's turned into good. It used to be negative attention, but now it's positive, and and uh, he's he's just fun. He's yeah. fun. Well, you know, yeah, like he is. He has grown up a lot. You know, from his USC days, for example. 
He, we all know he's an offensive genius. He always mm-hmm. has been. Um, not many coaches can do what he's done in, in totally changing their their just their outlook, how people see them. Mm-hmm. And somehow he's tapped into it. I think being at Alabama was a lot of that. You right. know? And then and then subsequently trolling Nick Saban for a couple of years. I think yes. that helped him too. <laughs> you know, but you know, now it, it really is funny how he how he well, what do you guys think? What what is his relationship with Nick Saban? Because you know sometimes he trolls him a little bit. Sometimes he he'll act like you know he's taken up for him. And I think they're great friends. You think so? I truly believe that him and that Lane and Nick are great friends. I think it's almost like he's that crazy cousin that like Nick is like oh, yeah, yeah we're kin. But when, when they get together, I feel like they're I feel like they're they joke around a lot. Nick is loosened up a ton. And he loves yeah. to joke around. And I, I think that him and Nick are you know. Have a great relationship. You know the whole rat poison saga on on, on Twitter. So good was great. You yeah, know? you got goat juice now. Oh, goat juice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whenever somebody's giving Nick Saban like ammo, like mm-hmm. the bulletin board material, Lane Kevin started calling it goat juice. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about, man. The guy's awesome. So, like, the guy's awesome. I, I think that the relationship between Nick Saban and Lane Kiffin is that of a father who loves his son, mm-hmm. but at times wants to disown him. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah, that's much better than mine. Yeah, that might be right. That's why he's the host. Kind of like uh, what's the uh, what's the movie with uh, with uh, Farley, Chris Farley, and when he's the son of oh, uh, he, he he goes around has to like, a, take over the business. Yes, it's a classic. What is the name of that? Oh, uh, Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy. Yeah, Tommy Boy. I was yeah. about to say Black Sheep, but it, it's yeah. Tommy Boy. Yes, I feel like that's kind of the relationship there. Like, it's almost like Saban knows he's kind of an idiot, but yeah. <laughs> like he he will overlook that because he loves him. He loves him anyway. Yeah, and he'll just kind of let him run his mouth, you know. And it's like a it's like a kid walking behind their dad, just punching him in the back. And it's like, yeah, stop, you know. But <laughs> I think that's the relationship. That's good. Yeah. So Lane to Auburn potentially. Um, I haven't I haven't heard of Lane Kevin's name being mentioned for any other jobs. Mm-mm. I don't know if anybody else honestly can afford him. I don't know if he'd be interested in going to any any of these other jobs. Right? right? You know. That's the only good I'll, job in the Southeast, and I think he's pretty tied to the Southeast. For sure. Yeah. Well, Alabama, I, I would think that there's a lot of lot of Alabama fans that don't that would not want Lane Kiffin to come back and be head coach, but I am one that would love for him to come yeah. back and be head coach. Yes. And he's kind of publicly came out and said anybody that follows Nick Saban is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not going to quote him on that, but it was something like that. Um, so I, I think that the hope there is probably not that great that he would be the coach at Alabama. But, man, I, I almost feel like he would take the Auburn job just to to troll Nick Saban yeah. more. Yeah. Well, he wants yeah. to. He, he, he even if he's good friends with him, he wants to beat him. He wants to beat him for badly. sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. Uh, it, but but I think Auburn fans' biggest worry with Lane Kiffin is that he does want that Alabama job one day. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I you know I think our biggest fear is even if we can pay him as much and you know be as prestige of the program in a sense, you know, which we we really couldn't be, but in a sense. Mm-hmm. Would he still skip town to go to Tuscaloosa? And I, you know, we're all kind of scared of that. But well, he's crazy enough to do it. He's crazy no, enough no, to do it. No other coach, I don't think, would ever do that. Right. I, yeah. I don't think any. I don't think Saban would like leave to go to Auburn. Like that would be such a huge controversy, right? I can't imagine. Like this state would explode, man, if that were to happen. So I think that if we hired Lane Kiffin and he did that to us, I would never talk to you again. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I see that. Yeah, but yeah, but to me, if there's anybody that could replace Nick Saban and come in day one and not feel that pressure, 
it would be Lane Kiffin, right? Yeah. Can you imagine anybody else stepping into those shoes? But Lane would make a joke about it and just go about his work. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. I, I'm I'm really excited to see where he lands. Even if he stays at Ole Miss and and he <laughs> continues to try to build that, you know, I think, you know, he's doing a good job there. He's got a good thing going. I think that they're lucky to have Lane Kiffin at this point, but mm-hmm. we'll see. If he, do, if he does leave, who do you think Ole Miss would hire? Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze. <laughs> <laughs> so so you, think there's a car- you think there is a carousel going on here? Ole Miss would not touch Hugh Freeze. No, yeah. no. Yeah, yeah. Never again? Never no. again. <laughs> I, think, I think Ole Miss would go after Houston Nutt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about Georgia, man? Oh, Georgia's terrifying. They are. Georgia's good, man. They're... They are what, uh, and shout out to my buddy, Bobby Riles. He wanted to talk about this. He listens to the podcast. He's a big Georgia fan. Uh, great guy. But yeah, Bobby, your, your, your Bulldogs are, they're really good. Um, they're developing talent really well. Uh, they're, they're top to bottom, the best team in college football. And uh, have they taken over the torch? Mm. Mm. Well, I didn't think so a week ago. Right. And I think they. Uh, How about now? I think now. It's hard to deny them, right? Yeah, it, they're just. It is. It. It's hard for me to even talk about it. Yeah, he's he's tearing up. Right <laughs> yeah, <now. laughs> man. I, yeah, Georgia's dominant, dude. Georgia is. Uh, I think Georgia's going to repeat this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be back to back. I think that they're the new. They're becoming the new standard in college football. <sighs> he said it. They are. I mean, and and again, Kirby's just like a son. I think to Saban and yeah. He's like he's about to steal his dad's glory and I think run with it, unfortunately. And yeah. maybe Saban has a, a revenge tour and you know, he can come back, you know, just as dominant. I hope that's the case. Colton's shaking his head no. Yeah. And he and he could be. He could be at the end of the rope here. And and if he is, man, hats off to Saban for what he's done and but, lo- love him to death. Girl, but, but, glad but, we had him. You think about that. The end of his rope, but they're about to expand this playoff to twelve teams. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Think Alabama Alabama would be in at this point. Absolutely. Think it, about that. It, it always works out for you all that way. <laughs> yeah. Two, three years, yeah. you're yeah. still in. Yeah. Hey, open up the pocketbook, man. Yeah. I mean, Georgia is, I mean, you think about what they've done. They they've they have the same Alabama model that Alabama used to have. Mm-hmm. They That offense isn't the same thing that Alabama used to do. I mean, um, Stetson Bennett. Mm-hmm. Heck of a heck of an athlete, heck of a player. You yeah. know, I mean, he brings it, but they're running an offense where, you know, play action and they're opening up a deep pass. And yeah. they're, they're doing that quite frequently. Right. And uh, on top of that, they're attracting the talent that they need for that design. You know, that's one thing, too, I, I think uh, that kind of hurt Alabama going back to that is, you know, we did go to that, like that, uh, you know, tempo kind of, you know, spread. <clears throat> I'm getting choked up talking about it. They uh, <clears throat> went to a different style of offense, so that kind of changed the game for them, which I think they started recruiting different defensive players to try to keep up with the high-tempo offenses out there and recruiting you know, a little bit different um, size of linebacker or whatever, and mm-hmm. you know, they changed. Like Saban, yeah. Saban thought, I've got to change with the times of college football. I think Kirby's kind of stayed true to the model that they had when he was at Alabama, mm-hmm. and it's proven to continue to be successful. Yeah, and so I I don't know, man. Uh, was there a need for Alabama to change, or should they have just followed the recipe? Uh, there was a need, and if you look at it, I mean, 
I don't you say that like look at Ringo. To me, Ringo on their defense is so impressive. He's you know, he's number five, he plays defensive back, but he looks like a linebacker and the dude can cover. To me, those guys that they're getting that are hopped up, they're living up to their hop. Mm. And the guys they're getting that are under, you know, like what what's the what's the receiver's name? Uh Hit McConkey, Lad McConkey, yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. dude comes out there and he's making plays. You know that these four and five star guys for Alabama are not making. Their That's guys right. are coming and rising to the occasion. They look hungry. They're playing with an edge, and it, it's unreal. Did y'all know that Joe Burrow and Stetson Bennett are the same age? I did not. Is that not insane? Burrow is yeah. on his what third year in the NFL. Yep. And Bennett is still in college. They're both twenty five years old. Wow. H- yeah. Hendon Hooker too, right? Is yes. He not? He's twenty five. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. So that's yep. what needs to happen. Yep. 25-year-old quarterback is the Somebody answer. brought that up re- recently, and I don't know who it was. I don't know. That's how you win ball games. You get a 25-year-old quarterback. That's the ticket. Was it you? Yeah. Did you bring that up about the college football age, the quarterback's age? I don't think so, but I'm, I'm good with talking about it right now if you want to. That's, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, 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 that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, Joe Burrow Wait, and Stetson Bennett. Do I still have a shot? Or? I, mean, I, I think so. You got eligibility left? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. think, I mean, think about it, really. I know, just a side note here, think about all the quarterbacks that have been significantly older, older than, you know, the rest of the people. Mm-hmm. You know, in I mean, they've always succeeded. Yeah. It's kind of... Uh, North Texas, their quarterback, 29 years old right now. Mm-hmm. Wow. Starter. Yeah. He went to... Uh, oh, man, I, I can't remember the story on him, but he's a starter for North Texas right now. He's 29 years old. Wasn't Andy Dalton in his late twenties when he was playing college college football? I don't know about uh, Andy Dalton, but Brandon Whedon. Brandon Whedon, yes, might be for o- sure. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. Yeah, yeah. He was late twenties. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure Brandon Whedon was like 46. <laughs> yeah, somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah, but but no, seriously though, I'm sorry, I got off topic there. But back to Georgia. Yeah, they're just they're unreal. Yeah, they're, Georgia is. It, it, it's theirs to lose at this point. I don't yeah. see anyone that competes with them. Well, so well, are they reloading though? Like, I mean, it, like next year, does Georgia look just as good next year? Because yeah. well, I, I didn't. So. I thought they would fall a little bit this year, but they the, haven't. They lost twenty-two guys. Well, to Will's point earlier, they they clearly have a superior scouting department. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. I mean, it's not just the star guys that they're getting. It's, yeah, it's players. It's people that are going to play games. Mm-hmm. Hey, I meant to ask you about that too. So there's been a little bit of talk about. Um, it was, it was on Twitter the other day, uh, talking about Muschamp coming back to Auburn. And my take on that was there's no way Muschamp would come back to Auburn for defense, defense coordinator role when he's at his alma mater. He's coaching with his buddy. He's got the co-defense coordinator title at Georgia. Yeah. Would he leave Georgia to come back to Auburn? Is there something there that I don't know about? For, for a defensive coordinator job? I mean, he's done it before. Um the guy loves Auburn by his own account. You mm-hmm. know? That's what a lot of people say. You yeah. know, So I, I think, you, as a matter of fact, quick story. When we hired Brian Harson, the first guy we interviewed for the job, and this is from Philip Marshall, was Billy Napier, who's now at Florida. Yeah. And, you know, at the time we heard, you know, Billy Napier came out and said he's not interested. Well, he was interested. He actually pretty much accepted the job. Mm-hmm. Very good friends with Will Muschamp. He mm-hmm. went to Will and said, before I sign these papers— who do I need to talk to? Who do I need to talk to to get, you know, who do I need to know at Auburn? Mm-hmm. And, we'll, and we don't know who those, these five people are, but Will Muschamp told him, these are the five guys you need to talk to mm-hmm. at Auburn before you do anything. And you need to know them and, and they need to accept you. Clearly power brokers. Wow. And long story short, he told Alan Green he wanted to meet those five people. Alan Green told him, uh, no chance. Yeah. And he said, well, have a good day. I rescind my, you know. Wow. You know, but I did so, not know that. So uh, that and that's you know I think that's a pretty confirmed story at this point. 
But long, you know, the reason I bring that up is Will Muschamp, you know, that was the first guy he thought to talk to about Auburn. Mm-hmm. So that he still has a lot of links to Auburn. Um, I don't know if he'd come back or not, but I could see it happening. Mm-hmm. Georgia's good. Yeah, that's about. There's really not a whole lot to say about them. They so just, that, we're just going to keep doing that. We're going to take a long loop around the conversation and, and come yeah, back, and we're and just going to say, Georgia's, say good. Georgia's good. But no, they're, they're what Alabama, you, know, you come into it, oh, this is going to be a close game. It's hopped up. It's the game of the century. It's this, it's that. And they just absolutely blew, uh, you know, kill the other team. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what Bama used to do. Mm-hmm. That's Georgia now. Like, there's just, you know, they rise to the occasion. They play ball when they're supposed to, and they're just really good. And they got a player, man, and we we talked a little bit, but man, Stetson Bennett, mm-hmm. a walk on, yeah, absolutely schooling five star guys. It's right. almost not fair, is it? it really? Yeah. It, it, and yeah. then you have Brock Bowers out there to throw it to. Oh, it's, yeah, two yeah, best dude. tight ends in the country. Yeah, yeah. they're massive. They're mm-hmm. athletic. Man, they're so they're they're fun to watch. It hurts to say, but now that yeah. now that you almost said that Alabama's out, you have to sit back and appreciate what Georgia's done. Yep. Did you see the uh, when he he ran the touchdown? He ran around. He he held his his hand yeah. up to his like the phone. Yeah, they call me. They they've been keep like trying to keep him up all night, calling his right. phone, texting him, yeah. and all kinds of stuff. I thought that I thought that was like over. I didn't think people did that anymore. But yeah, because <laughs> there was an Alabama quarterback that dealt with that from Ten- John, John Parker Wilson. Was that from Tennessee fans as well? No. So John Parker Wilson, I know he dealt with it with LSU. LSU, that's right. And, and he he gave him the same thing after yep. the touchdown. He gave him call yep. me two thousand and eight. Yeah, how about it? All right, NIL, next on the list. Got to talk about it. Is it good or bad for college football? I would say both. Yeah. To me, I had so many Alabama fans I heard this past week say, NIL's ruined college football. Like, no, it's it's made it more it's made it more even. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it may have it may have hurt Alabama. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it was bad for college football. Yeah. Um, there's so much more parity. And I think it was the Marshall coach after they beat Notre Dame, he said the transfer portal at NIL has given us this opportunity because these guys are moving in from other schools, you know, um, and, and they've played Notre Dame before. They don't see Notre Dame and get scared anymore because these guys have, have seen it. So it, it creates it creates more parity. I think it gives more schools an opportunity to, uh, you know, to, to get those guys in there that they wouldn't have before. Yeah, I mean, I see it from both sides. I think, yeah, hey, there's really no good way to answer it besides saying both, mm-hmm. both good and bad. I mean, it, it is... I think that some some guys are getting distracted um, with the amount of money they're making. I'll use an example. I've told some people this. Um, a source. I winked at you. He winked a at source says that um, uh, middle of the week on a Wednesday, uh, Bryce Young drove to Birmingham to mm-hmm. sign hundreds of items and supposedly got paid $50,000 for that trip to Birmingham to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that. I, right. I love Bryce Young to death. Yeah. I, think, I think he is he, he is the greatest quarterback in Alabama history. Mm-hmm. I think it sucks the situation wow. he's in. I do. Wow. Yeah. Greatest, greatest, wow. greatest quarterback in Alabama history. I think that it like it is unfortunate that things are shaking out the way they are for him because yeah. he, he's, he's an awesome, awesome kid, awesome player. But – Drove drove to Birmingham, fifty thousand dollars to do a signing. Supposedly, allegedly, don't know that to be fact. But if that is the case, why is why is there why is he taking a trip to Birmingham on a Wednesday and, to make fifty thousand dollars? And, and, and this is a game week. This is not just out, out, uh, off season. This is yep. a game week. No, that's why I, for fifty thousand dollars. I get it. I get it. But. Yeah. You, 
we all know <clears throat> to some degree what college athletes are going through mm-hmm. in college. You've got, you know, you've got your your practice. Yeah. You've got, you know, weight room, whatever, however they, I don't know their schedules and what they do, but then you've got your classes. And on top of that, you've got your study hall. Mm-hmm. Every other day, right? I mean. Yeah. I mean, there, yeah. there's mandatory, like it is mandatory. It's, right. it's, it's almost like it, it's, it's, it's tough for sure for for those guys and then for him to just for him to be able to take off and go to birmingham make fifty thousand dollars man i'm proud for the kid like hey get get your money and do your thing right but it's like is that an issue should it should nil money be only off season Mm. i think that's tough because when it comes to advertising especially you know He's on, he's, you know, he's in the Dr. Pepper commercials, for example. Mm-hmm. Heisman they're, House. They're not going to, yeah, in Heisman House. They're not going to air those in March, April. I think it only really works in football season. Can you film those and do a lot of this stuff preseason? Probably. But I think a lot of this stuff, I think the, the hot hand is during the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, think, I think really coaches are willing to make room for right. that because they're going to get kids. Yeah. To come based on all that, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean that's a recruiting pitch. Hey, our quarterback last Wednesday, you yeah. know, he, he just drove down, and made fifty thousand dollars for signing his name on some helmets. Yeah, for an hour. And I mean, that, and yeah, and it's great. It's just that, is it too much of a distraction? Is it the rat poison for college football kids that they are? You know, they're and again, again, man, I think it's great that they're able to make money because the the universities are profiting millions upon millions mm-hmm. off of these players. Yeah. They deserve yeah. money. But it's just, what is the distracting factor and how do you well, solve that? The thing about that is Nick Saban has his hand. If he didn't want Bryce to go do it, he would say no. I think as a coach, you have to know your players. You have to say, is Bryce mentally you know, capable enough? Is he is he locked in enough to go do this on a Wednesday night? If it was someone else that he didn't feel comfortable with, he'd say, no, sir, you're not doing that. You know, you're going to stay here. We need to be locked in. But I, I think he trusts Bryce enough and he's given him enough leeway to say, Bryce is going to do his work no matter what. You know, we don't have to worry about Bryce. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's, it's going to be up to the head coach. If, if he trusts the kid to do it, by all means, go do it. Yeah, and I think a lot of I think a lot of fans want to say that college football is basically the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. At this point now, yeah. right? Yeah, because of NIL. But I, I really don't think that's the case. You don't you don't really get NIL deals unless you're a good football player. At this point, mm-hmm. now there's some programs that have made NIL collectives that kind of spread the money out. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's any less drive, you know, because the the big money's still in the NFL, right? You know. But you know, to, to I, I think it's nothing but mostly a good thing. There's there's some there's some negative consequences from it, mm-hmm. but I think it's mostly a good thing. I, th- I think I think most of the negative consequence from it is um, backdoor transfer deals due to nil. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a lot of coaches. Him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's A-N-M. lot of that, right? Jimbo. Yeah. yeah. So Come I, at I mean, me, Jimbo. I mean, you know, all off season we heard Tank Bigsby was getting recruited by pretty much every college mm-hmm. in the southeast. Mm-hmm. And he probably should have taken one of those opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. But, you know, I think that's just going to be a common thing. Now, if a program's having trouble, you better believe your best players are going to be getting pitched, not yeah. directly from head coaches, mm-hmm. you know, but because that'd be illegal, but from some kind of collective that they can come here, make this much money yeah. and play good ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I don't know how you manage it. I, I know a lot of people do have a problem with it. They're saying it is ruining college football. I get it. it I, I can understand to a degree where they're coming from, but at the same time, they've got the kids got to get paid. I think that's long overdue. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I agree with it. I think that there should just be 
I guess, more of a handle on it than what there currently is. And I, right. I, I yeah. think that it is kind of all over the map because yeah. some people are abusing it past what it was intended for. Mm-hmm. And that's so. going to happen, but you know, they'll get regulations on it eventually. But the most important point out of the whole NIL deal is what it actually brought us. And it's uh, the NCAA college football game back. We yeah. wouldn't have had it. Yeah, that's NIL. true. You know, you ever thought yeah, about that? Yeah. So that's why I'm all for it. I only yeah. came here tonight to give one message, and that's give Reggie Bush's trophy back. That's right. That's, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, for sure. That's true, man. Did, that's so true. Speaking of, yeah. did y'all see yeah. where, uh, help me out, his, his teammate at USC, the other running back? Oh, uh, Lindell. Lindell. Uh, uh, anyway, his Lindell teammate, White. Lindell White, I'm yeah. pretty sure. He was on a podcast with like, you know, like Will Comp, like busting with the boys or something like that, I think. And they, he talked about how he had like 150 grand left behind at his condo when he was in Los Angeles. That happened to him several times. Huh. Yeah, this was back then. So like he's, you know, this has been going yeah. on for years. It's just legal yeah. now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So Georgia's good. Georgia's, yeah. Georgia's yeah, real Georgia. good. Yeah, Georgia. Man, Georgia's good. Yeah. So, yeah, college football playoff. Man, you know, I mean, and that, that that's you you look at the past and the the guys that did like, you know, like talking about Reggie Bush and stuff like like now you really do have to consider going back and giving them kind of a pass, you know. But I mean, it wasn't legal then though. So right. You're still breaking the breaking the rules. Yeah, I mean, but but the the punishment at the time, the NCAA from the early honestly from the early 1990s up until the past couple of years the punishment ne- hardly ever fits the crime. Yeah, you know? that's that's a fact. You know, yeah. So, so because his play still still garnered the the Heisman Trophy for sure. You know, so yeah. why take yeah. that away because he got paid? Even when I think back about Reggie Bush, I don't think about him getting taken away. I think about the athlete he was. So they yeah. can take it away from him, but but know. he wants it. <laughs> no, I mean, and fair enough, yeah, right? Yeah, he, yeah. yeah he should I would it. just, I mean, if I had his money, I'd just get one made. Yeah, yeah, yeah you do that. You've done that before. I I've think. done that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't, we don't have Anthony's money, though. No. True. No. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to be a UFC champion real bad. Yeah. So I got a belt made. No. And guess what? Now he's a champion. Guess yeah. what? I'm, guess who's a UFC champion? Proud of you. Thanks. Yeah. <clears throat> so Georgia's real good. Yeah. Yeah. Georgia's real good. Speaking of Georgia and the college football playoff, who, what's, what's your top four? Who, who, who gets in? Georgia's. Georgia. Georgia? <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So Georgia's really going like to be the one sure seed. Of. Georgia's going to be the one seed. Does Tennessee sneak back into that four? I, man. Oh, that's, I don't think so. Not, not with the kind of game they had against Georgia. I don't uh, see, I don't see them getting back in. What? I don't. They will. No. Even if they went out, they don't get back in. They're, they're going to win out. Have you seen yeah. their schedule? Any, oh, yeah, any team that loses during the regular season should not have a chance in the national championship. <laughs> <laughs> that's coming from an honest Alabama fan. I agree. Uh, yes, an honest Alabama fan. No, no, no. Tennessee slides back in because Michigan and Ohio State is going to take care of itself. They're not going to let one of them have one loss and make it in. Yep. Um, who else is up there? Oregon. So, well, who are we going with the two? Who's Ohio the two? State. So, so you think Ohio State beats Michigan? Yes. Oregon, Tennessee. What do you both. think about that? Hold up. What? Michigan or Ohio State? Michigan. Oh. I, I'm Michigan too. Uh, uh, Michigan has a tendency to blow those games, and that's all I'm going based off of. It's not off of like the eye test or who's better. It's just that Michigan is going to choke. Where's it at? Where's the game? At? Anybody know? Ann Arbor. Mm, yeah, they're definitely blowing it. <laughs> <laughs> that confirms. Right, I got to look that yeah. up now. Yeah. We're so, see Michigan. I got. I got to go host. But we don't have to agree. That's the beautiful yeah. thing yeah. about a podcast. No. I, no. I want. I want to see where they're playing. Dang, at. Anthony. No, they're playing at Ohio State. So Over yeah, with. yeah, yeah. Ohio, Ohio State. State. No. Don't, uh-uh, don't you change your answer now. Okay. You stick with it. So, I'll go. Yeah, I'll keep mine. Tennessee, 
Oregon both went out. They both have one loss to Ooh. Georgia. Yeah, but look at Oregon's loss to Georgia. Oh yeah, it lost way by, like, worse. First game of the year though, and, and you know the you know the committee is a lot. I mean, I, have you guys got a chance to watch Oregon very much this year? They've gotten substantially they, better. They have, but who are they who are they playing, man? Well, I, I can tell you, um, you know, Bo Nix. He's focused. Yeah. Who who let him get away? <laughs> this will be. I mean, this this is the second year in a row we've had a transfer quarterback uh, being talked about as a Heisman finalist. Could Auburn have? You know, this this who was is, this is Bo Nix's year. Malik Willis. <laughs> oh, that's right. Do, do you yeah. remember? Do you remember the tweet about Bo Nix? It was like he's focused. This is his year. He's having fun. He's a yeah. dark horse for Heisman. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Get, guess who got a uh, guess who got posted on the on the Heisman House poll yesterday. Bo Nix. I, oh, I saw yeah. that. I voted yeah. for him. Just to, yeah, I, thought it, I did too. I thought, it was, I thought it was great. Oh, so we got UGA, OSU, Ohio State. Who's three? Who's three? It's not TCU. <laughs> it's was, not TCU. I'm going to get a lot. Did you read my mind on that one? Yeah. Really? You going with TCU? No, I'm not going to go with them. Because they mean, play Texas this week. Yeah, they're going to lose. I think so. If they win, are they in? No. They... they Man, I might look. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna get a lot of a lot of crazy uh, criticism for me saying this, but I'm I'm going Alabama number three. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'm not wearing. I'm not drinking Kool Aid or anything. So Alabama number. You being serious? No. Okay. No. I mean, um, they they did come out with a thing today. They it said that uh, Alabama's got a 17 percent chance of making the college football playoff. There's no chance. How would that even happen? How it, do you come up? LSU with that? would have to yeah. lose out. They would have to go beat Georgia by 40. In the SEC championship game. Speaking of, so LSU is sitting there at seven, and they're seven and two. Mm-mm. If they went out and beat Georgia, nope, no, nope, not a two-loss team. That hasn't happened it, yet. It hasn't yet, but TCU is going to lose a game. TCU is going to lose a game. Who's, I don't know. Who does, hold on, hold on, on, on LSU. I mean, they, we're talking. They went out. They go to the championship game. They beat Georgia. Beat Georgia. They got to be. You think? Yeah, they have to not, be. Do I think it's going to happen? No, absolutely not. But if they did, hypothetically, they'd have to be. Yeah. Hmm. That's tough, though. I, I just, it'd be hard to let Oregon in, no matter how much better they've been playing, because people are going to say they lost by, you know, they looked so bad against Georgia. And I know it was week one. Yeah. But week one to, you know, first round. Just yeah. to see a just just to see the rematch, I yeah. I would like to see it. Right, yeah, for know? sure. And and then you have USC is sitting there at eight. They're eight and one. Their only loss is a close game to Utah, who is a it was a good mm-hmm. football team. So yep. you know if if they went out, who knows? It's yep. going to be interesting. It's going to yep. be interesting to see. But to me, Tennessee, if Tennessee wins out, and then Georgia wins the SEC championship, their only losses to Georgia, they're getting in. They're getting in. Be a big change to SEC East teams. Yeah, in the playoffs instead yeah. of West teams. Right. It? So the way it's sitting right now, you got Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, Tennessee, Oregon, LSU, and then USC, and mm-hmm. then Alabama, and then Clemson. That's your top ten in the college football playoff rankings. So I, I mean, yeah, I mean, you guys are right. If if LSU beats the crap out of Georgia, then mm-hmm. obviously they're going to have to deserve a spot there. Right. But um, but think some some of them we're not ta- we're not talking about number eleven is Ole Miss. They're eight and one. If they beat Alabama this weekend, and and LSU and they get into the Ooh, championship man. over LSU, that's tough. It's a team nobody's talking about, and, right? And, and it's they're I, eight and one. I've watched a lot of their games this year. I'm I'm still not sure if they're actually good or not. I really, you know, they're yeah. eight and one. Yeah. Mm. But I mean, if they beat Alabama this week, and then they still got to, they got a, a not a good game, and then the Egg Bowl. 
and they got to play Georgia. So there's honestly a lot of teams that could still get in. There really is, man. That's going to be tough. I mean, if you had a, and if yeah. you had the 12 team playoff, it'd be easy. It'd be a really good year for that to be yeah. a thing right now. Yeah, I mean, UCLA, UCLA is eight and one. Did y'all know that? I didn't. I did. Yeah, they just they just lost their first game, right? Yeah, right. To, to to Oregon. Yeah, and yeah. Wow. Chip okay. Chip Chip Kelly. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's like secretly been building U, UCLA, right? But man, they have like no fan support. No, it's kind of it's bad. rough. Yeah. yeah. So if TCU wins out, they're obviously in. Yeah. So, I mean that it, that'd be like Cincinnati last year. That's your three undefeated teams right mm-hmm. there, and then you're going to have to pick a one loss team for that fourth spot. Would it be Tennessee? It would be Tennessee over Oregon for sure. There's really no G5 that are even being talked about this year, is there? I mean, is there no, any? Mm-mm. No, no. T- does does the Pac-12 play a conference championship game? They do. Yeah, that's just recently implemented, I believe. So if Oregon wins out and then wins their conference championship, it's tough to leave. That them would out. be tough to leave them out. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. Especially if they're beating. Yeah, because Tennessee's uh, not a USC they're not. that wins out. Man, how mad are Tennessee fans going to be though? Because <laughs> yeah, with one Alabama loss, getting yeah. in. And, hey, listen. Yeah. Um, after what happened in baseball season with them, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it would just be icing. Yeah, cake. yeah. That baseball team was the most unlikable baseball team in the history of the universe. And they're going to be back next year, and they're going to be the same way. Oh, yeah. So, number three, who's your pick? Who's number? Who's getting in at number three? Hmm, I don't know. Uh, that's hard to say. I'm, I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say Tennessee ends up at three. They're they're going to because TCU is going to lose a game. Michigan and Ohio State takes care of itself. Tennessee, it's going to be Tennessee. They're going to get in, and, and they're going to put them at three. They're going to put them at three because they don't want Tennessee and Georgia to play in the semifinal. They're going to want to play in the final, like they did with Alabama last year. Who's your third pick or number three pick, Colton? I'll say Tennessee as well, and then Oregon gets in at four. I think that's that's what I would say as well. Ooh, and that, that's an interesting because that you got your rematch there. Yep, and if you got and Ohio another State possible here, rematch. And man, Tennessee will give Ohio State a run, dude. No doubt, for sure. And, and Tennessee yeah. will Tennessee will play Georgia better the second time. They, they'll play them better the second time. But I don't know if they'll. It's not going to be enough to win. Georgia, Georgia repeats. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Georgia, Michigan, Tennessee, USC. You think USC slides in there? I think they do. Wow, I really do. That'd be interesting. Which their one loss was pretty bad, wasn't it? Who was who did they get beat by? USC. Yeah. It was to Utah late. Utah, okay. Yeah, it was late. It was okay. close, but Georgia would would be ugly. Yeah, but USC, they're they'll probably win out, right? They'll they'll win the pack. You'd think so. But they got to play Oregon if they make it. Right. It'd be them in Oregon. Yeah, be a good game. That would be a good game. I think USC would beat them. I don't know that Oregon's defense could handle Lincoln Riley's offense. Mm. <clears throat> Because well, defense be, has been pretty good lately, it's though. It's been pretty be, good. Because, well, yeah. I don't know, man. Lan- Lanny can coach a defense. That's right. Yeah, you got Lanning over there. He's I, their man, I, yeah, I just, man, I didn't think about that either because Lanning is, he is stout. Mm-hmm. 
It's it's interesting. It's it it's going to be. We'll, we'll have a better picture after you know in a couple weeks. Still, it's just hard because man, I never watched like Pac twelve football though. They always play it. You know, twelve o'clock at night. Yeah. yeah, it's fun football though. It really is. No defense usually. It's terrible. Football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they do have a defense or no? No. Does Oregon have a they, defense? They've had a decent defense. I just thought of something. Pete Golden would be fantastic in the Pac twelve. He would. Nobody would expect him to. No. To play good. Expectations oh, are low. Yeah. Mm, there we go. You heard it here. All right, so our our poll topic. Online. Thanks to all that voted. Yeah, thanks. We so we ended up having a thousand six hundred and forty two votes for this topic. For this topic, beautiful. You can go back to our Facebook post and verify that for all of our fact checkers. Yeah. Um, yeah. and that uh vote was for the targeting rule. The targeting rule is the worst rule. No, not the rule itself. The ejection is the worst thing. Who came up with that to say, hey, if this kid accidentally lowers his helmet and and you know targets this defenseless player who has on a thousand dollars worth of pads, but he's defenseless, let's throw him out of this game. And if it's in the second half, he's gonna have to sit out the first half of next game, which he didn't even commit the penalty in. Explain that. Yeah. And well, I think my biggest argument is they they've left so much judgment in the ruling. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, your on-field staff has every bit of the power to do what you just said to do. Right. To toss a player just based on their in-the-moment judgment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At some point, you got to look at the offensive players. Yeah. For the targeting rule. Because, and and I'll use an example, and we talked about him being a tough kid, uh, Stetson Bennett, and Mm -hmm. in that touchdown run against Tennessee, lowers his head, hits, you know, and he does get hit. Yeah. And it was questionable as for if that was targeting, but they were looking at defensively. I know. And I don't feel like that's right. When you yeah. lower your head as an offensive player, I I, I think that you, there's, there's got to be some kind of penalty for them as well. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you guys remember the call last year. Auburn, Penn State, Zico mm-hmm. playing at the goal line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's already on the ground hitting low. Offensive player lowers his head after. Yes. So Kobe gets tossed. Yeah. For it, a targeting penalty. Yeah, yeah. It's not right. Which it is our best no, defensive player. Yeah. It makes no sense. It's like, to me, it's like common sense leaves the room when they go to review that. How can you look at it and be like, he was down there. He's trying to make a tackle. He's trying to keep the guy from scoring a touchdown against mm-hmm. his team. What do you want him to do? And the guy lowers his head. Why can they look at him? But hey, that's actually the offensive guy initiated that contact. And how about we don't throw either one of them out? How about yeah. we let them continue to play football? If they do it again, okay. If, if they have two in a game, that's fine. Yep. Throw them out. The NFL figured it out. They don't eject guys for that. Yep. I mean, come on. Yeah. yeah. You even see it sometimes. To it, I mean, like I said, the rule is just way too loose. Mm-hmm. Okay, we've de- we've determined that wasn't targeting, but the fifteen yard, uh, we are going to enact the fifteen yard penalty. Right. What sense does that make? That, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I mean, you see stuff like that all the time. That, uh, yeah, that's crazy. I don't agree with that at all. I, I do agree with you. Like, just hey, call it or whatever. Let the kids play. Yep. Let them continue. I mean, it's not. They're not doing it maliciously. I don't think they're doing it to try to hurt mm-hmm. somebody. I yep. know that they're trying to create these rules for injury prevention or whatever, but the kids are not doing it maliciously. They're not lowering their helmet to hit somebody in the head to try to kill them. I mean, that's not the case. Yeah. Um, they're trying to, to they're they're football players mm-hmm. and they're trying to make a play. And yeah, you know, hey, like 
How deep, how deep are we into the rule now? Seven, eight, maybe 10 years that we've They've had, had this plenty rule. of time to fix it. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it seems like it's actually maybe getting worse. It is. I think so. It has. Yeah. 100%. Because, and and the, the problem is, is like, it's, it's bang, bang. Like on the field, it's happening so fast. And then they come back on the broadcast and slow it down to slow-mo. And the, oh, look what he, oh, he lowered his head. He hit it. Oh, the crown of the helmet. And then you got the guy. There is there anyone more annoying than the, the official that comes on to the broadcast that just, Absolutely. It's like, oh, yeah, this is absolutely a targeting. This kid needs to be out of the game. Like, shut up. Yeah, Gene Steratore. Mm. Shut up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, the, I guess one of the biggest, like, significant changes to the rule has been that the player doesn't have to actually leave the field. Yeah, but what does that mean? That's what I'm saying, though. That's how crappy it is. Like, <laughs> yeah. You get to watch your team have fun without you. Exactly. You stand over yeah. there and wave a towel. Yeah. Yeah, I hate the rule. I I mean, I I don't know what the answer is. Like, I know you gotta you gotta protect players, but do what the NFL did, call it, but don't throw the guy out. Yeah, that's honestly my biggest complaint is is the kid has to sit out the rest of the game. Yeah, yeah, and I mean it it changes ball games. It does. I mean, last year against Texas A and M, Alabama lost Malachi Moore in the like the first quarter off of a ticky tack. Yep. targeting called they even reviewed and then you lose one of your best safeties for the rest of the game you yeah. know it's it's just the kids only get so many opportunities to prove their worth and to, you know to, to, to show out for NFL scouts and to, yeah. to be on a college football field and because they made a play that you deem malicious you're gonna they're gonna have to sit out the rest well, of the game going back to Zacoby McLean I'm sorry for no, you're good. breaking in probably one of the best linebackers in Auburn history mm-hmm. a little bit undersized but he showed his worth time in and time out yeah Biggest game of the season, most televised game of the season last year against Penn State. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he was under the lights on national television and the biggest, you know, the biggest audience on TV that we had all year. Right, and he gets tossed halfway through the game. Makes no playing sense. hard. You so your point. Mm-hmm. It's taking money out of their pockets that they've rightfully earned. Because right. guess what happened? He didn't get drafted. He went wow. undrafted. So, yeah. I, yeah Maybe he makes a play later in that game yeah. that puts his name. You yeah, know, you'll never know. There. So. It's and it's a simple fix. Yeah, it really is. You just don't throw him out. Yeah. Yep. So what? Like, what's the NFL's rule on that? So it's they, a, they it's a, it's a they actually they don't they don't have a I don't think per se targeting call. It's like unnecessary roughness is what they call it. It's okay. just unnecessary roughness, fifteen yard penalty, and here we go. We're playing, and the guy's still in the game. So if they did that in college, maybe it's. I, I don't know. At some point, you got to say, okay, if they call it and they review it and the offense player lowered his helmet as well, maybe it offsets and there's nothing. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're I mean, yeah. They're, that's what well, I'm saying. It seems so simple. It seems one, so simple. One cool thing the NFL does, I'm, I'm pretty sure, is they'll end up fine. They'll review it during the week, yep. find that player. Right. If, if they, t- they actually take time. And, and really review it more right. so than just two minutes. Mm-hmm. And if they determine that it might have been malicious, they'll find the player, mm-hmm. which usually then goes to charity, to, you know, right. CTE foundations yeah. or, you know, whatever. So yeah. um, at this point in time, you know, every, pretty much all universities that, that, that play football have the money, you know, find find the university. They'll get that taken care of really quick. Yeah. Don't pull the player. Right. Yeah, so. there's, yeah, there's something. There's something there. And uh, it's probably a topic for you know, maybe, this may be our next one to vote on, but uh, just review is is almost killing college football. Do they not slow the? It's like every second play, it's like oh, we got to stop it. We're going to review to you know to double check something. That's so annoying. Yeah. Too. You have two conversations going on: one pace of play, yeah, and then the other one, you know, let's extend the review. Well, those kind of counteract each other, right? right. Hmm. Yeah. How many how many games like back in the like eighties and nineties? Would have been different ball games if they had the review, though. Sure, a lot. I mean, you'd have to think about: Did he have a foot down? Did he really yeah. fumble? I mean, there's so many. 
I mean, that, but that could like that could change the course of history in some college it football could. programs. And, and I don't mean the big plays. Absolutely, keep reviewing them. But I swear we we review some of the smallest stuff these days, and it just stops the pace of play. Yeah, and a lot of the time they still get it wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, clear and convincing. Just just like the tip pass with the LSU things. We stopped it for how long to look at that tip pass? And to see if it hit his finger. To see if it hit his finger. Yeah, and, that was and, that and, was and the, Back to the guy who likes to come in and say, oh, that's definitely a tip. And even Kirk Herbstreit kind of like clowned him a little bit. He's like, what are you looking at? He's like, are you looking at a different view that we don't have? Because I don't see a tip. And he's like, oh, no, no, he definitely did. And at the yeah. end, Kirk's like, what's up, man? You yeah. Were, yeah. And then like you mentioned with targeting, they, they, they dwindle it down to a still frame. And you cannot review anything in college football in a still frame. Yep. It has to be real time, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're, not, you're not seeing what you need to see. Yep. Yeah, I agree. So, there's a lot there, man. I mean, there's a lot that we can complain about and in, in college football and, and things that they do, like just the review targeting. I mean, there's several, mm-hmm. and I don't know what the answer is. I, I don't. I, I mean, I think on the targeting front, it's kind of like what we said. You know, maybe it just they lower their head at offsets. If it is uh, confirmed targeting, then you know call it an unnecessary roughness and move on and mm-hmm. hey they're nil players now find them <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're fine based off your net worth <laughs> yeah there you go 10 percent. that's right yeah so well hey that's all we got on the list man that's it that's it it's a good time any comedian says you know after they're done with their list that they've got written down that the show's over right yeah well, the last the last thing i have to say is that george is really good george is good and they're so good george yeah. is good yeah so I guess I guess we're signing off then until next week. I mean, I kind of don't want to. No, it's a lot of fun. I, I'm gonna make this this goodbye a little awkward. All right, guys, All right. I appreciate it. Appreciate your time here with us today. Had an, had a good time. It was fun. Enjoy it. it again. Yep. Go All dogs. Right. You've been listening to Under Further Review, the sports podcast with Anthony Burgess. Visit us online at UFRSportsCast.com and follow us on Twitter at UFR underscore SportsCast. Thank you for listening. And after further review, the ruling on the field stands.